I'm quite amused that there is a new DLC for um, Saints Row 4 today. Is it? Oh, I. Yes, because you know the character Johnny Gat? Yes. Yeah. It's Gat 5, so G-A-T 5 uh, is out today. Right. I don't get it. Well, G-A-T has the same letters as G-T-A. Oh, yeah. Huh. <sighs> that that was I, the whole joke. They just said, "So, do you want to play GTA Five on the PC?" Well, you can't because it's not out, not out on the PC yet. But this is, so you can play GTA Five instead. But then you have to play Saints Row Four, which is amazing. It's basically Saints Row Three. No, 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 no. So much no. <laughs> Seriously, that's I nearly didn't buy it because of that. Yeah, <laughs> but you couldn't be more wrong. Okay. Like, it has gone, we're not parodying Grand Theft Auto games anymore. We're parodying all video games huh. and a lot of pop culture. Yeah. And also, fuck it, have superpowers. Yeah. And I'm just sat there going, this is amazing. And Keith David. And, <laughs> well, it's, it's specifically that there's Keith David and uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and they have a fight. But Keith David. But Keith David. As yeah. the vice president of the United States of America, <laughs> who is just Captain Anderson as Keith David. As yep. the vice president. Also, your voice options for your character. Yeah. Male one, male two, male three, female one, female two, female three, or Nolan North. <laughs> <laughs> it has become so incredibly meta and is just taking the piss out of all video games. Oh, that's wonderful. The Nolan North isn't, it's, it's, not, it's like he's not trying though. Well, no, I don't, I think that's part of the joke. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it really is just an add-on because the other six voices are the Saints Row voices that have been in every version. Yeah, and then you've got Nolan North literally added on as an afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it, but that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. Are we here to talk tonight? Are we? Are we? I don't know. I hope so. Otherwise, what the hell is happening right now? I'm so confused already. Well, a lot of things. Shall we start a show? Yeah, let's. I mean, I guess. I mean, uh, would you want me to do the music? No. You sure? And welcome to World on Stage One. Hello! I am Simon, and joining me tonight... I am Jack. And I am Irish. Unfortunately, we don't have a mic with us, although he had promised us an hour and 15 minutes of his time, very specifically. Big surprise! But from what I understand, he's very busy in Northampton trying to get noticed. What? I don't get it. Have you not seen the Northampton Scary Clown? <gasps> oh, Yeah! Um, there we go. I will be linking to it in the show notes so that people get the joke. Yeah, Fletch linked it to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but I, I have no room for surprise. Fletch linked you a story about a scary clown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're funk it, eh? Yeah. The, Although, the for is... those who don't want to click on the link, uh, the Northampton Scary Clown is a clown that is 
just hanging around the town of Northampton. Thereby making him rather scary. For seemingly no reason other than his self-professed desire to be noticed. <laughs> and he's doing it at night, and as we all know, there is nothing funny about a clown at midnight. Exactly. So he's just stood there on street corners with like three balloons and a rather lank teddy bear <laughs> smiling at people. It's really scary. I didn't have a fear of clowns. I think I do now. Yeah. I think we need to go no to Northampton with whatever it is that kills clowns. I think a lot of things kill clowns. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like their specific weakness. And what is their specific weakness, Jack? I don't know. That's why I fear clowns. Their weaknesses are much the same as most people. Ah, but you think so, but then you remember that clowns aren't people. Ah, but you think about all the things that will kill things. Fire, yeah. capitation, silver bullets. Will kill people too. They will all kill clowns. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you know, there's things like crosses and garlic and holy water and all that. Depends what you do with them. I could kill people with crosses, garlic and holy water. <laughs> if given enough of it. <laughs> or enough application of force. <laughs> Anything fired with sufficient velocity. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, anyway. <laughs> the, the idea of going clown hunting has become incredibly uh, tempting right now. <laughs> Problem is, you think you've killed one and then a whole bunch of them come out of the same car? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that needs oh to happen in the next row. <laughs> oh my god, what, a clown car? Yeah, you crash into the clown car and one clown angrily gets out and if you get out to challenge him, then all his friends get out. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, dear Lord. Yes, uh, thank you for joining us, those of you who are listening tonight. We know that we're competing with Grand Theft Auto V. That's why there's, like, two of you. Uh, I was going to say, there's going to be a point where... Well, and one of those is me. Um, <laughs> there's going to be a point like that thing from The Simpsons. Like we just, all we've got at the moment is Alex in the chat box. And any minute... Oh, and now we've got an, ad, an, an Alan as well, as soon as I said that. In case of, I know we're, we're competing with GTA V, and I was going to guarantee that they would both suddenly just go, Oh, shit, GTA V! And then just... <laughs> just <laughs> <you're out> of <laughs> no, no, I think right now we are the very best in-game radios. Well, no, we're the third, fourth... With the fifth best in-game radio station in GTA V for some people. You can play us on in-game radio? No, but you can listen to us whilst you're playing. That makes sense. And then you can still listen to us when you're not in a car. Yeah. making us a much better radio. In that sense. Yeah. And only that sense. It's like having a radio played directly into your head. I have to admit, I bought GTA V. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, it's like, there was no hurry to buy it, because I, I want it for the multiplayer. Because the single player, I'm more interested in on the PC. Yeah. But... Also, it was there. I was on my lunch hour. I thought, why not buy it now? It is weird that you say <laughs> um, there was no rush to buy it. And it's like, it, it is release day today. Yeah. And you do own a copy. I do. But not because I felt any particular pressure to. Well, I just you felt the rush there. to buy it, but yeah. Because uh, I also didn't feel any particular urge to wait. I was completely ambivalent about it and thought, well, at least this way I'll have it. It's weird that complete ambivalence leads you to buy a game on release day. <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, I know where you're coming from and all that, but it just seems a weird statement to make. Yep. Well, you see, I've bought it on release day. Yep. But I'm doing this show instead of playing it. Ah, okay, fair enough. And tomorrow I'll be doing something else instead of playing it. And on Thursday and Friday, I might play it this weekend, but I am due to go around to a friend's house for some board games. Uh, so I might not play it until next week. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you'll get around to playing it and telling us how it, how it is. Yes, although I'm sure we'll get reports from 
various people we know who yes. I know are playing it right now. Uh, I I am not because uh, Mike did go to the midnight uh, open the midnight launch last night's game. Yeah, he did. And he went. <laughs> he waited in the queue, and he waited until he got into inside game. He waited until he got inside the store after the queuing outside at midnight. It was quite cold last night, and then he went. Nah, I can't be bothered anymore. And he came, <laughs> That's not what happened. That's what he said happened. No, <clears throat> he decided not to get it on the way to Midnight Launch. Uh, one of the guys with him that was getting it um, was having to buy a new Xbox. Okay. Because all he had was a core system. Yeah. Which, and so basically, he didn't have a big enough hard drive and stuff to do the 8 gig installation. I've yeah. got to say, now is like the worst time to buy a new Xbox 360. <laughs> The Xbox so One is coming out in what a month, a month and a yeah, half. Yeah, but he um, so he traded in that and picked up a new Xbox and the game and stuff. And Mike decided to uh, be his bodyguard back because he lived in Warden. Uh yes, and and it's already been in the press. Someone was stabbed uh, on their way home from a midnight lunch, and. This is the thing. The, the headline was Man Stabbed Over Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, right. But then I read the actual article and it was like they stole his phone and his wallet and the game. So he, he got was mugged. mugged. Yeah, he was just mugged. Yeah. Uh, but the headline is about Grand Theft Auto Five because, hey, let's get some traffic. Yeah. See, video games turn people violent. You don't even need to play them anymore. Just being near a video game will now make you violent. Whilst having, you know, a phone and money. Yeah, so that, that's a target too. of crime. Be, be, <laughs> yeah, being a target of crime is, is liable to get you crimed. Although, one thing I do like about the release of GTA V is it has prompted a look back at the early days of GTA and there's been some wonderful sort of documentary footage, interviews with the guys who started DMA. I, I did see one on, on the BBC, like the, the report that they ran the day that um, GTA V... That was probably not the one I saw, because the oh, one okay. I saw was full of swearing. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, it did include one of my favourite mixed metaphors of all time. It's a brand new one. Right. Uh, from one of the project managers on the original GTA, who said that um, to say it was anarchic makes it sound sexier than it was. It was messy. It was like nailing jelly to kittens. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> what a, a very colourful metaphor. Actually, simile, simile. Yes, it is a simile, isn't it? Yes, I caught myself there. Yeah, you see, I don't have the excuse of your education. Yeah, education. You went to university, they taught you things. I went to university very briefly. Anyway. Yes. So yes, go go out find footage of the original DMA team because the great thing about the original Grand Theft Auto is it was put together with a bunch of guys who'd never worked on video games before, had no idea what they were doing, uh, had no management or project management experience. They were just a bunch of twenty-somethings who were like, "What's cool? Stealing shit, blowing shit up, crime movies. That's cool. Let's do that." And so they did. And now look where we are. Honestly, I think the development team is much the same now, except with good managers. <laughs> Where has it gotten us? Getting mugged over phones. <laughs> Do you remember what life was like before GTA, when no one ever mugged anyone? No. Oh. Largely because it was a long time ago. Oh, okay, fair enough. GTA's been with us for a very long time. It's true. 
Though has it been with us for as long as tonight's subject? I don't know. What is tonight's subject, Simon? It's the one in the title. It, oh, shit. <laughs> Have you forgotten? Going underground, going underground. No, you haven't. Tomb Raider is what we are here to talk about. Yeah, it is. Huzzah. Perhaps one of the earliest games I remember playing. Oh, on I mean, the PlayStation, I presume? Sorry? On the PlayStation, I presume? Indeed. Yeah. It was, the, I think, the first full game we had on the PlayStation, rather than just, like, the demo discs. Ah, and the answer is that Tomb Raider actually predates Grand Theft Auto as a franchise by one year. Ah, so they're, cl- they're, they're sort of close in birthdays. Yes, they're almost the same age. Yeah. I think Tomb Raider was one of my first PlayStation games. It was one of the big ones on the PlayStation. It was that oh, yeah. Wipeout are the ones I really remember as being the great PlayStation games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Wipeout. And I struggle to remember others. Uh, what uh, early release? Yeah. Uh, Crash Bandicoot did quite well, but for the sort of younger audience, um, I'm sure I'm probably overlooking something major. Probably. Yeah. No, can't think of anything. Or me. That's quite worrying. Yeah. Is that because it's been so long, or is that because the PlayStation there was that many memorable really, games? PlayStation was a really long time ago. Mm. Oh, apart from, of course, Ridge Racer. Oh, the very, very first, the first of the first PlayStation game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a launch title. The launch titles for the PlayStation. In Europe, Jumping Flash, Rapid Reload, 3D Lemmings, Wipeout, Nova Storm, and Killeek the Blood. Killeek the Blood? Yeah. I have never heard of this. It's no. oh, I, I vaguely remember seeing it, but it was, it was an EU, well, European launch one. Hmm. Um, oh, in America they had it as well. They had the DNA Imperative. So we, we called ours the Blood. They called ours theirs the DNA Imperative. Okay, this sounds interesting. They also had Rayman. Oh, yeah. And also Street Fighter, the movie, the game. <laughs> Which we have talked about before. We, we have indeed. <laughs> Quite recently. I'm also looking at, like, the Japanese launch. And there is one game that was in the Japanese launch, the US launch, and the European launch. Ridge Racer? Ridge Racer. Japan just put a whole bunch of other random crap on their launch. Mm. But, of course, one of them was Tomb Raider. Yep. Which... Is a game I have very fond memories of, of like the whole franchise, more or less, with a couple of down notes. Yeah. Um, but one that I've always felt hasn't quite lived up to its potential, perhaps until this year. Okay. In terms of character and storytelling. Oh, yeah. But it's always had that potential. And that, the other uh, games were very, they were sort of very, not silent, but there wasn't a lot of exposition that happened. It was literally just meaningful looks at bits of scenery. That was a lot easier than doing dialogue. Exactly, yeah. And for the most part, Lara was alone in the games. Yep. Other than, you know, bats and bears. Well, there were a few cutscenes to set things up, because there was always a storyline, and there are recurring characters who've gone through the franchise. Yeah. Um, But it's really interesting that Lara Croft became quite so big of an idol when actually she was never part of Tomb Raider until quite late into development. Mm. Wasn't the original plan to have a male lead? Yeah. It was going to be just an Indiana Jones game. It would have been Uncharted, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, of its day. Um, and then it was uh, the, the man largely credited for creating Tomb Raider, Toby Gard, uh, came up with the idea of making it 
a female protagonist. Yeah. Uh, because it was something not broadly done, uh, it would be interesting and would open up some possibilities for storytelling. Hmm. But even then, that, that was only one step on the path towards Lara Croft. Yeah. Because she's got a whole lot of stuff going on in her backstory that never comes up in the games, really. Hmm. True enough. But the original inspirations that he looked at, the ones he cites for coming up with a female character are really interesting. Tank Girl. Right. And Nana Cherry. Um, don't know that one. She was um, a singer at the time. Oh, okay. They were inspirations in what way? Well, they aren't inspirations for Lara Croft. They were his inspirations. Oh, I see. In terms of looking at compelling women. Uh, interesting ways to go with female characters. Yeah. And early in development, the, the hero of Tomb Raider... Um, went through a lot of revisions, uh, including a, a very militant, kind of bizarre, tough girl. Um, and and uh, they, orig- uh, they initially settled on uh, Laura Cruz, a South American woman. Huh. Which would have given us a, a very interesting protagonist, very progressive. For the time, definitely. You, for, for now. Well, you actually, yeah. You see many non-white protagonists and many non-male protagonists, so have a, a woman of colour is still a big deal today. Remember yeah. Me keeps getting headlines because it dares to have a woman who isn't white as its protagonist. And dropping monocles into tea everywhere. It's one of the comments frequently made about uh, Beyond Good and Evil. One of the easiest things to point at to say what makes it different is Jade. Hmm. So it's still a big deal today, but it would have been huge back then. And maybe, maybe the world just wasn't ready. Well, I don't know about the world, but uh, Edos weren't. Oh, okay. And this is where Toby Gard sort of parts way with Tomb Raider, which is really, really sad because he envisioned uh, this game as a sort of in Indiana Jones-style game of intrigue yes. and puzzling and intellect and saw Lara as the character that she is in her backstory, that she is in the writings, in the manuals and in the cutscenes. An heiress who's into adventure, but very intelligent. She's an archaeologist fascinated by history, by artifacts, by the occult. And Edos wanted, first of all, someone more um, familiar to the core audience. So let's make her white. Let's give her a... uh, Anglo-Saxon sounding name. Yeah. And we're a British company. Let's, let's make her English. And so Laura Cruz became Lara Croft. Um, and they also, of course, altered her physical appearance somewhat significantly from. Is, is, is this where the potentially, um, what's the word? Uh, apocryphal story comes about the, 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 the decibel point. Uh, yes, that's, uh, this is indeed the potentially apocryphal story of the decimal point. I'm not sure how apocryphal it is, actually. Yeah, I've it heard just, it. It, just, it seems totally legit, but at the same time, it, it also sounds like one of those things that, like, would just be spread around as a rumour afterwards. Definitely. But the story goes that a designer, whilst working on the uh, polygons on the 3D model for Lara Croft basically got the enlargement of the chest off by a factor of 10, or maybe even 100. Uh, So I think the story goes he meant 15% increase, went for 150 by mistake. Yeah. And sort of sat back, looked at the new improbably endowed Lara, 
<laughs> and went, you know what, that works. And sort of uh, put it forward to the, the management and went, I've had this idea for Lara. What, I've got some character think? progression here. <laughs> yes. I've got a sketch. Uh, there's some character development, you might say, developing from a B to a double D. And, of course, the, apocryphal or not, that's the Lara Croft we ended up with. Yeah. The preposterously top-heavy, tight-top-wearing uh, tight adventurer. Uh, yeah, I, that... The, the the top that was you know sort of famous in in Tomb Raiders one two and three. What the hell was that made of? Uh, well, a lot of cosplayers will go with latex, which is not what I'd imagine most people would wear when like delving into jungles and stuff. No, mm. no, but it, it does seem to fit correctly. Yeah, uh, to sort of reflect the look of the character, which is the worrying part. <laughs> <clears throat> Lara was a member of the British aristocracy. There's nothing to say she wasn't kinky. That's a good point. Fair point. Yeah. She was certainly an interesting woman. <laughs> Had some strange interests and was played by Angelina Jolie in the movie, so almost definitely kinky. Yeah. Yeah, you did mention that she was... Uh, the, the, this this main character was uh, an aristocrat. She is uh, landed gentry. Yep. And whether she is an heiress or whether she is currently the owner of the fortune depends on where you are in her timeline because she's yeah. retconned repeatedly. And a lot of the later games do tend to jump around through her history, like into her childhood and later on and so on. Most of them agree that her parents are dead or no longer part of her life. Yeah. Uh, so she's an independent character. But, I mean, the, the sort of core storyline is that there was a plane crash when she was 21, I think. Yeah. Uh, and depending on which backstory you believe, that either killed her family or... Um, they survived, but uh, they were rescued and she was stranded and she learned to be on her own. And that's where she became the survivor that uh, you play as. Yeah. And that's where she got her taste for living dangerously in adventure. And shooting wolves. Which is an odd reaction to have. I mean, it's not the normal trauma reaction. No. <laughs> it's not how I would see it going. I think if oh, I was stranded yeah. in the Himalayas at the age of 21, I would die. <laughs> ah, but we're not tough, and we don't have the the, uh, the 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 rearing that comes with being British aristocracy. Yeah, I'm sure that made all the difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't we didn't go we didn't have the the uh, what's it called we didn't have the the, the benefits of going to to Gordonston School or, or a, a Swiss finishing school. Yep, that's also her backstory. Yep, we we were never engaged to the Earl of Little Fillings Wharf. Stop on rye or whatever the fuck. You speak for yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I forgot your uh, your, your short lived affair with with the, with the earl. <laughs> as soon as they legalise our love. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm I'm all for all kinds of late equality you can think of, but marriage between a man of one station and a man of nobility—that's <laughs> just going too far. <laughs> What'll happen then? Hey, hey, the middle class will start going all over the place. The working class will be toffs. It'll be anarchy, I say. I welcome anarchy. <laughs> long may it rain. <laughs> it's here to stay. <laughs> Did you just say long may it rain? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's quite ironic and funny. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to assume you meant that. So, yes. awesome. Excellent. So, yes, Tomb Raider. That was the thing that we were talking about. Sorry, yes. brief, brief, brief t uh, tangent there into anarchy. 
It happens. <laughs> yes, that tends to be how anarchy happens, actually. <laughs> Very briefly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and out of nowhere, with no warning. Because of the aristocracy. I, I'm beginning to think you you have a, a thing about the aristocracy. Really? What, what, you, what you possibly think? could have given you that idea? <laughs> <laughs> you know Lara Croft's not real, right? Not yet. I know, I've seen her. Well, you don't know that yet. Wait, I don't know what... It, no, I mean, with the... <laughs> shut <What>? up! <laughs> she's real, I've seen the movies. That's Angelina Jolie, and she's very real, most of her. <laughs> whoa, whoa now. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's reel this back on in, shall we? <laughs> hey, I've got no objections to, to Angelina Jolie. Let's just put it that way. That is true. I, I do know this for a fact. You are a, a big fan of her... Of, um, her, her body of work. Yes. <laughs> moving on. Oh. Right, yes. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Let's do that. Jesus Christ. So yes, Toby Gard abandoned uh, the development to Edos when he realised they would not let him have any control over it at all and that it was not going to be the game he wanted it to be. Yeah, it was going to end up warping into something bizarre. But what it warped into was a phenomenon. Into one of the biggest gaming franchises of the day. Yeah, of gaming history, really. It's yeah. still up there as one of the biggest. Oh, absolutely. It, it's it's slowed down since, but, you know. Well, it, I hope that's about to pick back up, actually. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it, it did slow down. You know, we had one, two, three, and then it sort of, when we had the last revelation, and then it all started to sort Underworld of... Underworld and yeah. uh, Angel of... Into the darkness. darkness. Yeah, it did. Okay, it did taper a little bit there. Yeah, but it's um. The hell was that? Sorry. <laughs> As, my reaction to Into Darkness. Well, yeah, that's fair enough. As a franchise, though, it sold over thirty-five million copies of various games. Blimey! Which puts it, by the way, a little bit above Street Fighter. Wow! A little bit above Metal Gear. Damn. Nice. Yep, a little bit above Medal of Honor. Blimey. I mean, it's nowhere near the top of the list. Yeah, but that, yeah. that's that's nothing to sniff at there. No, no, it, that's good company to be keeping. Yeah. And considering there was a time when people said that a female-fronted game wouldn't sell, I, I think that answers that question quite nicely. Yeah, I think that was a nice little uh, middle finger up to those people there. Although, to give you a sense of scale here, over 35 million is good, but the Mario franchise has sold over 446 million. But, you know, that's Mario, you know. That, that, that's star power right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, think about it. If you're, if you're the average consumer, are you going to want to play a game where you delve into tombs with an impossibly proportioned British woman? Or do you want to play games where you're going to play an Italian plumber who's a little bit overweight? Wait a minute, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> Good question. Yeah. Oh, well. But it was quite strange, considering this is a PlayStation game, originally. The PlayStation was, at the time, a very powerful console. Yep. Looking back, the graphics were a bit primitive. Yeah. I, 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 but sort of, I suppose that's hindsight, you know, it's 2020 at the time. It was freaking incredible! It's just a little odd that a woman whose thighs and calves met in a sort of point as they sort of came in in triangles became the international sex symbol that she did. Yeah, it's a bit strange, isn't it? And, uh, you know, two made of one, her boobs were like a ram. They were this sort of big point at the front. Very reminiscent of certain Madonna uh, videos. 
Uh, the nineties. Might have been part of the appeal. I don't know. Possibly. But let's just say we're glad that Madonna didn't play Lara Croft in any films. <laughs> I'll yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> Can you imagine a sort of late nineties Tomb Raider movie with Madonna directed by Guy Ritchie? I'd rather not. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. I can. And that's problematic. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Let that, let that fester for a while. I mean, it's not even... It's The biggest problem there is Madonna's aristocratic British accent. Oh, God, I'd forgotten there that. There we go. Because oh, she, why, she what kind have I just... of thought she was one of us for a little while there in the late 90s. Oh, uh, what have I done? Yeah, that's, that's going to fester, that image. Oh. You're a bad man. And that uh, and I say that someone who likes Madonna. What was that, Jack? And I said, and I say that as someone who likes Madonna. Hmm, I quite like Madonna as well. Yeah. Just not her British accent. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. Or well, actually, no, that's not true. I quite like Guy Ritchie's filmmaking. Yeah, did Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, Layer Cake. Yeah, very good. Yeah, let's leave it there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> But yeah, it was quite a simple game in terms of its actual gameplay. It was run, jump, climb, shoot endangered species, find key A to door A. Fairly standard fare for the time. Yeah. Push things around to uh, open and close yeah, uh, doors and solve the puzzle, solve the tomb, get to the end of the game. Right up until like, I remember the cistern level, where it was like <laughs> raising the level of the water. Yep. And lowering the level of that couldn't go eat a dick. I remember being stuck <laughs> in that so many goddamn times. <laughs> kind of like the uh, the water level in Zedler. Yeah, yeah, the water uh, temple again. And the weird thing is with the, with these levels, like the water temple and the cistern, is no matter how many times I succeed at them, whenever I go back, it's like starting from a fresh page every time. <laughs> <laughs> It's I, I'm looking back and I'm trying to work out how it became as big as it was. Because it was a fairly basic game. It played fairly similarly to a lot of sort of 3D adventure games at the time. The graphics weren't brilliant. I think it was just the marketing muscle of Sony and the fact that they had a female character to yeah. push. And it seemed to just light a blue touch paper underneath not just the video games industry, but... The world. She became this internationally recognized figure. On the cover of magazines everywhere. On the cover of magazines, in advertising. Oh, uh, uh, LucasAid. LucasAid, yeah. Yeah. TV adverts, cinema adverts of Lara Croft advertising LucasAid as a spokesperson. That was weird. She was everywhere. It, it was weird. It was. Uh, she's the first character I can think of where the games company hired a real person to be the sort of real-life stand-in for the character to make in-person appearances. So she was sort of like the... the oh, I think I remember her name, actually. Well, you probably remember one of them. There were, one of them? I'm they've sure had six of them over the years. Okay. Uh, most famously, Nell McAndrew. That's the one I was thinking of. And Rona Mitra. Rona Mitra, who was in Boston Legal, I believe. Yep, that's the yes. one. She's from Derby. And they have that out there. You know. They are both two, uh, each of them has been the official Lara Croft at one point in their life. Did they, like, best the, the original one in, like, one-on-one combat and then decapitated them? 
I doubt it, but I'm going to say yes because I think that's much more interesting than the reality. Okay, cool. That can be only one. Yeah, Lara, Lara Crofts, they are Highlanders. All of the Laras? Yeah. So, Highlanders. Highlarus. Hilarious. That is hilarious. It is. Oh, oh God. Oh. We need to stop. 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 <laughs> Please stop. I've been learning puns oh in French. Oh, my God. You've been learning puns in French? Yes, I have. This is a complete tangent. I like I like this tangent, though. Um, I have a couple of French colleagues at work. Right. And one of them brought in some French sweets. Right. And a French uh, coder who sits next to me said, oh, I used to love these as a child. They've got jokes on the inside. Well, I say jokes. They're not funny. They weren't funny then. They're just plays on words. And I went, do you mean a pun? So, yeah, yeah, I guess puns. I was like, French puns. And I just went up to the counter and just grabbed a handful of them. <laughs> I just unwrapped them, chowed down on them. They're quite good. I can't remember what they're called. Cream bars or something, but they're like Mawam. Right, okay. Very tasty. But they have French puns on the inside. And I know just enough French to have gotten a couple of them. Okay. <laughs> Here's my absolute favourite. What is the most vegetarian food? I don't know. Watermelon. Now. <laughs> what? That doesn't work in English. No. <laughs> That's the beauty of puns. It only works in French. It only works in its original language. Yep. Okay, right. The French for watermelon is pastèque. Right. Pastèque. Or, in English, no steak. No steak. Oh my god. French puns. I was oh. delighted. I'm so angry right now. <laughs> and also so delighted. I'm moving to France. Why? Great puns and no clowns. <laughs> but they have mimes. Yeah, mimes are alright. They're quite... Oh my god, they're silent. Yeah, they're like the ninja clowns. Oh god. Nowhere is safe. <laughs> Certainly nowhere in France. Okay, fine. I'm staying home. There we go. Holding the shotgun, keeping an eye out for noses and, and honky boots. <laughs> Just don't go to Northampton. All right. That that's particularly book. unsafe. That's that's good advice in general, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get angry letters from everyone in Northampton that can write. <laughs> no, because they don't have our actual address. They'd need to operate a computer as well. So angry letter... Maybe <laughs> We'll see we, I don't we're know why we're picking North on Northampton I literally know nothing about Northampton There's a clown there I, Yes, right, kill your clown And then maybe we'll be nice to you <laughs> Find and kill this clown Make him an example <laughs> To the next oh five generations Of potential clowns <laughs> <sighs> Oh my god Where were we? I have no idea Where am I? <laughs> what? Who is this clown? <laughs> anyway, uh, we were talking about uh, the adverts and, and Ronamitra. Yes, and, and the fact that it exploded outside of games and became... That, wasn't Lara Croft in FHM's Sexiest Women lineup one year? Oh, yeah. she may, I don't think she was the first fictional character to do so, but I think she was certainly like among the many. It's, it was that kind of a reaction to what was a good... Game. Actually, very fun game. Yeah, I loved that game. I loved Tomb Raider. Yeah, I keep going back and saying it was fairly basic, but they all were in the time, and it was actually yeah. very, very good for its day. It doesn't, it doesn't make them bad games. But at all. the world went fucking mental. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, some, some of our listeners might be a bit too young to remember, which is a weird thought. 
It's yeah, it's nineteen ninety six, so they invariably will be. Oh god, yeah. that's oh, that's just so weird. But also, the world went mental. I, I don't know if there's an equivalent today. Uh, is there? No, um, I don't think there is because there's n- no video game characters appearing in FHM. There's, Mar- there's no... the Marge Simpson was in Playboy a couple of years ago. I remember that. That was oh. the only other time I could think of a fictional character as sort of you know being put into sort of top whatever in his lists of things. That, yeah. That's going to haunt me. Yeah, yeah. Did you not know that? No. That was quite a big deal. That was really weird. I managed to avoid that. Yeah. But, I mean, Lara is in the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, the title she holds is Most Successful Human Video Game Heroine. I don't know how they measure success in this instance. She's pretty rich. She's not dead yet, despite, you know, going into danger time and time again. That's pretty successful. Or it might just be that she's been on the covers of magazines and in movie theaters and yeah. all of this lot. Or maybe she's like the most well-sold uh, female video game protagonist, because I don't know how many me- how many Metroid games have sold. Uh, I think she's outsold Metroid by a yeah. long way. There you go. Mm, could be that simple. Could be. Personally, I like to think that it's because, you know, she has a butler. She does oh have a God, butler. butler. She, has a, she has a bulletproof butler that she can lock in the in the in the uh, fridge. Yes, she does. Hence my name in the chat at the moment. Ah, uh, now I understand. Yeah. This is why you are the frozen butler. Exactly, because that was basically all the best part about doing the training section of Tomb Raider was locking your butler in a freezer. Because <laughs> he was indestructible, because you had no guns. But yes, there's a great quote on the Wikipedia about Tomb Raider. Yeah. The debate over whether she is an icon of female empowerment or a vessel for male titillation has existed for as long as she has. But the few huge effects she's had on both gaming and popular culture cannot be denied. Damn straight. That is a quotation from an article entitled Lara Croft, Feminist Icon or Cyber Bimbo. Cyber Bimbo. Sorry. Yes. Bimbot. Anyway. <laughs> I like Bimbot. I, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> Too fair, that's, that does sound like it could be a new DC character any day now. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm. Ah, topical joke. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's needed on a podcast about games from the 90s. <laughs> Shit. Uh-huh. Well, I, uh, Tomb Raider is topical. That's true. It's, we'll, it's, we'll get to the 2013 Tomb Raider eventually. We will. But we haven't moved on past Tomb Raider yet. Yes, that's true. So... <laughs> We haven't actually said what Tomb Raider itself was about, do we? Like, as in the plot of the first game. No, I don't think we've talked about the plot at all. Yeah. But the plot is largely the same as the plot for the first three or four games. Uh, No, no, because, well, uh, sort of, yeah. Um, Okay, totally. Um, (laughs) But basically, all I remember, because of the plot from the, the first game... There was no dialogue in the opening cutscene. It was just, you went up a mountain with, it, it, uh, somewhere in the Andes with a... It's not a Sherpa, is it? Because the Sherpa's a, a, a Tibetan thing. Um, but basically, a guide taking you up the mountain, and then Lara goes up on top of something to open a door. The door opens up. Wolves come out, eat your guide. So Lara jumps down, shoots all the wolves, and goes inside. And I still had no idea why she was going in there. Um, 
treasure hunting. And then that leads us to find some things about some stuff. That's number two, isn't it? No, that's number one. Number two is the one that starts with the, the cutscene of like, um, ancient China. Because number right. one is the one that starts with the nuclear explosion in New Mexico. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah, no, that, the, yeah, the first cutscene just before you go into the first mission, sorry, is... Oh, yeah, you're talking about... Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. In Peru. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it opens with a nuclear explosion. Yeah. Near Area 51, isn't it? Uh, yeah, New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and then it cuts to Calcutta. And this is where there is dialogue, where Lara is chilling out uh, and is contacted by Larson Conway, one of the first sort of recurring characters of the Tomb Raider franchise we meet. Yeah. Uh, who works for Jacqueline Natler, owner oh, of Natler, Natler Technologies. Now I, re- I remember Natler. And this is something that I like about Tomb Raider right from the get-go, and I think it's... Uh, a little bit of influence left over um, that uh, Toby managed to get in there before he left was, of course, this is Lara Croft, female adventurer, yep. being employed by Jacqueline Natler, female CEO of a tech company. And Larson Conway, the man involved in this cutscene, is the go-between. He's the lackey. He's the messenger, yeah. So I kind of like that it's a deal between two women who have all the power and all the bargaining. That is something that for 1996 video gaming was quite brave. Yeah. Huh. And actually, I'd comp- I, I had forgotten about Natla. Um, the sort of psycho Atlantean thingy. Yes. <laughs> but all we know at this point is she's a wealthy businesswoman, a technologist, and she wants an artifact that has been lost uh, in Peru and is quite willing to pay for you to go there to get it back. Yeah. And then you end up going from there to a whole bunch of other places, including, like, you know, a, a lost valley full of dinosaurs. Because that's how the Tomb Raider games go. It is yeah. a globe-trotting... Uh, it, it's like an Indiana Jones film. The little red-dotted line across the map sort of thing. Yeah. You're, you're globe-trotting around these exotic locations, and then it gets either a cult or sci-fi, depending on the game. Or dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, I, uh, that's kind of sci-fi. Land I before suppose, time yeah. and all that lot. Yeah. But um, whatever, there will be a, a supernatural or a, a paranormal element comes into the game. Yeah. I just, I just love Lara's reaction. I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh my god, dinosaurs still exist. They haven't They haven't truly gone extinct. I can solve that. Yeah, I better load up the shotgun. <laughs> god damn the T-Rex. God damn the T-Rex. <laughs> Uh, who turns up in the first fucking mission of Tomb Raider 2. <laughs> because we, we, you liked it so much the first time. If I remember correctly, the, the first mission of Tomb Raider 2 gives you uh, a T-Rex and Yetis. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, yeah. Tomb Raider 1, basically Atlantis becomes a big thing. I don't know if you go to Atlantis or... I think you do visit it. Yes. Yeah. You certainly meet the Atlanteans. You do. Uh, including the, the, and there's the fight, big final boss. Well, no, it's, it's not the big final boss because, um, Natla's the big final boss, isn't she? Yeah, but all the, yes, you fight through an Atlantean, um, site. And it's all weird and biotech and everything's made of meat. Yeah, and you're fighting all the mutated soldiers. Yeah, and there's the colossal Atlantean, which is like a huge ribcage with arms and a head and it's got no skin and that fight was annoying as balls. Yeah. And it all gets a bit sci-fi with stasis and genetic experimentation and yeah. lost civilizations. And I got to that and went, man, I just want to go back and hunt in tombs. What the fuck happened, man? 
<laughs> After a while, I didn't want to hunt in tombs because that game really just ranked up the tension on me of just like running from tigers and knowing they're right behind you and you've just got to jump up onto this block and then they can't get you, but you can hear it right behind you. <laughs> or fucking bears or wolves or being in the water and like swimming and then trying not to drown. Uh, or there's the the uh, the room with all the 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 ancient gods and stuff like that. Like you've got the, the Midas room, you've got the the Thor room with the giant hammer. Um, Damage. Oh, yeah, Mjolnir is actually a part of Tomb Raider history as well. Is it? Yeah, it comes up later. I think it's uh, sort of towards the end of the original run of games. I, okay. I can't remember if it's Chronicles or Last Revelation. Or, or even Legend. I think it's Legend. It's the okay. one where she's hunting for Excalibur, uh, but she finds Mjolnir. Yeah, fair enough. I, um, but yeah, and then there's the Damocles room, which had like swords over your head, and the Neptune room, which was all water and puzzles, and you had to swim right down to the bottom. You had a two-minute breath count, I remember that much. But yeah, and then basically Atlantis happens, and you fight Natla, who's turned into a giant flying half-human, half-Atlantean lightning monster. Good times. Yep. And it's it set a lot of standards that would, you know, recur throughout the game. Like One, being batshit insane. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely one of them, yeah. uh, and and sort of building up from a fairly ordinary beginning, or not so much into when you start off with the T Rex, yeah, to an even sillier ending. I think that's fair to say for two. Well, the the, the first cutscene of Tomb Raider Two is you see a uh, what's it? It's a battle in China during the sort of might have been even like the the Yellow Turpin Rebellion. Basically, like there is a dragon there, just just a dragon wandering around. People are like, oh shit, how do we fight the dragon? And some guy pulls a knife out of its chest, and then it dies. And then I believe it basically turns out that there is a, a, a sacred knife, and if you stab yourself in the heart with this knife, you turn into a dragon. But as soon as it's removed, the curse is broken. And it was the sort of... That, that has got to be the biggest Chekhov shotgun in any game. <laughs> when you know that that's the thing, you're like, so I'm going to fight a dragon at some point, aren't I? I'm, I, I the guy I'm working for is going to go evil, stab himself in the heart with this knife, and I have to fight a dragon. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Yay! Um, but other things it introduced were the fact that you have to choose between maneuverability and combat. Yeah, you can't free run, as it were, with your guns out, and you can't fight back without them. Yeah, uh, which most of the time is fine, but there are times when you wish you could do both. Oh yeah. And uh, the other thing that keeps coming back is there's always a moment in a Tomb Raider game where you are disarmed and left without your guns and you have to run around and get them back. And boulders. Every goddamn time. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it have to be snakes? Uh, Tomb Raider 3, I don't really know much about the plot. I think Tomb Raider 3 is one of the ones I didn't play. Uh, you do go to Area 51 in Tomb Raider 3. Yeah, I seem to remember that being a thing you do. Yep. Uh, you start off in India, I believe. There's a, there's a jungle and it's full of tigers, so I'm yep. going to submit India. That's right, because um, I don't think we'd been to India at that point. No. And then you move around uh, the Pacific, okay. uh, where you're fighting you know, islanders and or dinosaurs again. Yep. Because there's always dinosaurs. Always dinosaurs. Uh, and then uh, off to London, actually. Oh, yes, because there were city sections of uh, Tomb Raider 3. I, just that one, I think. Yeah. More of them came back in later games, mm. uh, especially Angel of Darkness. Yes, which was mostly uh, bloody Paris, wasn't it? Mostly running around Paris trying not to get caught, yeah. Which was not fun. Yeah. 
I'm getting called. Hang on. Why am I getting Skyped? Who by? I've no idea. I can't actually see it. Oh. Is one of you getting Skyped? Nope. Oh, well, I'll ignore it then. I did just lose my signal. Well, I can hear you. Mm. Interesting. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Cool. All right, then. Hmm. Worrying. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Hooray! Zoom Raider's Last Revelation. Oh. No, it's not. Stopped. Tomb Raider, The Last Revelation. Yes. That was the next one. Yes. I did play that one. Uh, This is one of the big uh, Werner von Croy games. Werner von Croy being um, in the the old Tomb Raider timeline, uh, her mentor. Yeah, who was a sort of creepy, bold German archaeologist. Yes. Who taught her everything she knows, uh, although she also added her own moral code to the mix, and that's why she's better than him. Yep. Because he was an asshole. Yes, he's sort of mentor and antagonist. Yep. <laughs> that game was almost friggin' impossible to beat on the goddamn tutorial level. <laughs> I got stuck on the tutorial level and didn't get very far in, in Last Revelation, because you could just get sealed in the tomb and never get out again. <laughs> I don't think I ever finished this one either. Yeah. But it's... Uh, uh, is it entirely Egypt? I think, I, I think I'm right in saying it is. Uh, which one? Last Revelation? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I could be wrong. Give me a moment. I remember literally the first mission. I don't, I don't think even the first mission was in Egypt, was it? Um, no, the, the first mission isn't. That's true. It's but Angle what? You then head to Egypt and pretty yes. much stay there for the rest of the game, I think. Uh, That's sort of your yeah, lead into the yeah. story. You start off in Angkor and then you head to the tomb of Seth in somewhere in, in Egypt. Hmm. Uh, and then it's uh, Karnak, uh, Cleopatra tomb, Alexandria, Cairo, and Giza. So yeah. Yeah, it's it very just spacious. moves through Egyptian mythology. Yeah. Nice. So it's a nice themed game. And uh, this is where you set up Von Croy as your future antagonist because Lara uh, abandons him to his death. Yes. And as we know in pop culture, always make sure of the body. If you're going to leave someone to die, yeah. kill them. Because if you leave them, they'll come back. Exactly. And probably be angry. And they'll have probably crazy superpowers. Because they've merged with the god set. I also would like to apologize. He's not German, he is Austrian. Ah, important difference. Yep. But he is <clears throat> nuts. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and that brought us on to uh, Last Revelation. That was Last Revelation. No, that was Last Revelation. Chronicles. Chronicles, which is the one where, again, you're young Lara and you're in Ireland, I believe. Uh, there is a level where you're in Ireland. Yes. And you fight yes, that's Banshee right. or something. Yep. Um, I think that's a flashback in the game. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, yeah the, you're not playing young Lara the whole game. Doesn't doesn't I, again? Doesn't uh, doesn't Chronicles open with Lara potentially dying, and then there's a whole bunch of flashbacks and stuff? Yes, it's um, the end of Last Revelation. You get um, sealed inside a tomb. Yes, and uh, Chronicles starts with that scene of right. Lara being sealed inside the tomb. Uh, And then it cuts to her memorial service. Uh, Although, again, I'll note they didn't check the body. Yep. 
Uh, and then we have a series, yeah, of chronicles of stories from her life, uh, which are, uh, in this one, they're pretty much all majorly occult stories. There's Philosopher's Stones, The Spear of Destiny. Um, there's, as you say, there's Banshees. There's Changelings, apparently. And Changelings yeah. uh, on uh, in Ireland. And then there's um, more Von Croy. Hooray! Yes! Um, and uh, as I recall, that one finishes with confirmation, or at least a hint, that Lara survived at uh, the end of um, Last Revelation. Yeah. So it, it is that moment where the, the character is presumed lost, you get the montage, and then they're rescued, and on it goes. <laughs> Pretty much. Because they, they, they didn't have the balls to kill off someone who was still selling that many games. Well, I noticed that they didn't technically um, bring her back. I mean, uh, at the end of it, they see her um, backpack and all that, and they go, we found her! That's true, it could have been they found the body. Yeah. Or, or in, indeed, they've just found her things. Yeah. But there's definitely, they, they've left it open for a sequel. And uh, other fun fact, it is the second least successful Tomb Raider game in the series. And it was followed by the least successful, wasn't it? Was Tomb Raider Anniversary straight after that? Oh, was Anniversary the least successful? Anniversary was the least successful. Oh, because Angel yeah. of Darkness deserves to be the least successful. Angel of Darkness was fucking awful. <laughs> this game, oh god, this game nearly buried the franchise. Yeah. Kind I, of I, arguably I, I, should have buried the franchise. Angel of Darkness is also technically still part of the first era of, of Tomb Raider. Yes, it is. The first one on the PlayStation 2, I believe. Oh, that was balls. (laughs) (laughs) It was, in fact, if you, depending on how you consider the eras, it it might have been the last one of the the sort of early era. Yeah. Um, When did Crystal Dynamics take over? It was directly after this, wasn't it? Yeah, Legends was the first... Um, Crystal Dynamics game. Yeah. So this is the last by Core Design, the original developer. Core Design is still, yeah, the developer. So it is the the end of an era in that regard. Yeah. Uh, this it may not have killed the franchise, but it certainly killed off Core Design's um, involvement. Yeah. And killed the franchise for three years before Crystal Dynamics came along and said, "We want to make one." So Angel of Darkness. We probably should talk about a little, at least a little. It had a bit more hunting around in it, didn't it? In the sense of you could never fucking find anything, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible camera angles. Like, in a game where you have to go through a lot of, like, vents and stuff like that. Mm. So they, they upped the sort of the crawling mechanics and everything like that. And then fucked up the cameras. So you were like, I don't know if I'm going to go into a into a trap or into a firefight. All I know is this camera is so deeply rooted in Lara's anus that she should not be able to climb anything for next, for the next week or so. <laughs> I didn't get very far in this one because it's so very bad. Yeah. It's just disappointing. Did it have a, uh, a grappling hook, or was that introduced later on? Uh, I don't remember whether the grappling hook was in this one. Fair enough. I just remember it being utterly appalling. Yeah. Um, it took forever to make, and then it wasn't worth making. Yeah. Basically. How long was the development? Of- I think it was a three-year three development, years. which... Three years. 
it's a little longer than it should have been for its day. Yeah. Uh, and they were trying to make... Um, it was almost like they were trying to reboot the character. Yeah. Because the, the whole storyline of this one is not your globe-trotting adventure of finding ancient artifacts of unspeakable evil and dealing with the plot of the bad guy to trick you into recovering it for them. It's running away from the police. It's running away from the police. It's being suspected of murder and becoming a, an anti-hero on the streets of Paris. Although I do believe you fight ghost suits of armour. Oh yeah, that I mean, that still element there. of it is still in there, but yeah. it's definitely the character is no longer an heiress adventurer. It is trying to turn you into an anti-hero. Yeah, because that was sort of, you know... Part, you know, part of the course of the day. Yeah, and Tomb Raider had been kicking around at this point for a good long time. Yeah. Uh, so so maybe it was would... good that they tried to do something new with it. Yeah, I mean, they, all credit to them for trying something new. But this didn't was work. bad. It was bad, and they should feel bad. And it's not necessarily the plot or the tone that was bad. It was the level design. Yeah. It just got messy um i don't know if it was because they were used to designing these sort of um temples and and jungle areas and tombs and were suddenly trying to do architecture but it didn't work yeah and that closed the doors on core designs tomb raider development which was kind of a, a poor note to go out on yeah which is unfortunate and that could well have been it for Lara and Tomb Raider. Except, except for Crystal Dynamics, who came along and decided they wanted to play in the Lara Croft sand pit. We want to get our hands fucked. Again, speak for yourself. <laughs> Tomb Raider legend. Yes. Which wasn't a bad game. Uh, certainly not following on from Angel of Darkness. It was it was an interesting way that they would. I think I remember seeing it sort of the design stuff coming out of it and thinking that they were really trying to go back to what Tomb Raider was about—the whole sort of find the the the, the puzzle and all that sort of stuff and find the, the the key to solving the puzzle and thinking about it rather than running around gunning stuff down. Yes, it it felt like a Tomb Raider game. Yeah. It felt like Crystal Dynamics wanted to make a Tomb Raider game because they liked Tomb Raider games. Yeah. And wanted to sort of rehabilitate the franchise. And this is where you start to get um Excalibur and that kind of mythology coming into the game. Uh along with, you know, in the KGB, the Holy Grail, uh, there's quite a bit of Arthurian legend going on in here. That's the she, legend of the title. Yeah, she pulls uh, Excalibur out of a dais somewhere in Tibet, I think. I do believe so, yeah. That's, ah, there we go. That's where her, well, her, her father must have died beforehand. The only survivors from said plane crash in the Himalayas were her and her mother. That was, yes, that got retconned um, a couple of times. At one yeah. point, her father survived. At one point, he was killed by the Illuminati. Um, at this point, I believe in the Crystal Dynamics era, it was her father and brother died, her mother survived. And then was teleported away when she picked up Excalibur. Yes. And so part of it is trying to find her mother, part of it is trying to find um, the secrets of Excalibur, and this becomes sort of the ongoing plot of the Crystal Dynamics games. Yeah. Uh, which, I say games, because it's largely Legend and Underworld. Ah, yes. <laughs> there were only the two. 
until 2013. Uh, there's also Anniversary. Yeah, but Anniversary is just Tomb Raider. It, it, it is, but with added... Oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, it's just Tomb Raider, but with added quick time events. Yes. Oh, that, boy. Yeah, there is that. That's true. And, and, and uh, bullet time. Yeah. And uh, sections where you have to balance on the tops of poles despite the fact that there is no mechanic for doing so. So you will just slip off and die <laughs> nine times out of ten. Well, uh, I've survived, but, um, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't like Tomb Raider Anniversary. No, it wasn't great. What was Underworld? Underworld was um, exactly that. It follows on from Legend, yeah, but moves from Arthurian to Norse. Uh, this one definitely had the grappling hook in. I, I, yes. I do remember that much. Pulling things down and like yep. pillars and all that. Isn't this the one that had like the, 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 uh, the dramatic realistic dirt, uh, mechanics? I, yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, but this is, I definitely know this is the one where she was looking for Avalon to find her mother. Right. So st- she was still stuck in Arthurian legend, but came across Niflheim. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, which is a word that, um, moviegoers are likely to be <laughs> familiar with at the moment yes at the moment with it coming up in uh, thor so yes one of the norse underworlds yeah and this is where all of um thor's relics come in mjolnir is uh in niflheim and lara finds it and jacqueline natler turns up again yes it's it the weird? return of natler and uh, we go back to world hopping after that you know once she's nipped into one of the underworlds she starts zipping around the world finding openings into other of the realms of norse mythology yeah. uh, and ultimately she finds valhalla itself which is always nice true enough um however she's still looking for her mother and that is resolved by the end of the game uh not pleasantly yeah mm. This is the game in which Lara has to kill her own mother to save her from a fate worse than death. Nice. I hate when that happens. Yeah, it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then again, Lara also manages to use Mjolnir uh, to take out Natla, which is fairly awesome. Or rather, not Natla herself. Uh, oh no, no, she does actually. She she does twat Natla with Mjolnir. I, yes, I've just remembered. She does actually take out Natla with Mjolnir, which is and, awesome. And drop her into the substance of all life's creation. Aether. Uh, you know, my, my Norse pronunciation is probably way off, but you know. But the ether. Yeah. Is, ether. is what they mean. Yeah, basically ether. Ether. Yes, exactly. Uh, and. Again, that was the end of Tomb Raider. This was actually a much better way to go out than the last one. Yeah. That was actually a climactic finish. Uh, but Crystal Dynamics were not done with the character. Aha. When was Underworld? Underworld, Underworld 2008? Was, yes, 2008. Yeah. So five years they then uh, sat and Rated. plotted and schemed. And then we got 2013's Tomb Raider. This year's Tomb Raider. This year's Tomb Raider. The, the, the current Tomb Raider. Indeed, which is a full reboot. This is It's not just a few retcons here and there. This is a complete reboot of the franchise. It is from scratch, day one. Hurrah. The theme of the first game is a survivor is born. So 
rather than telling us about her history, we're getting the gameplay equivalent of her playing Crash in the Himalayas. Yeah, you are learning how to survive. You are learning, and it's it's not you know learning how to survive by becoming a badass. It's learning how to survive by not dying horribly. Yeah, because the deaths are horrible. Kill you. So, have you guys played the current Tomb Raider? Uh, I have not, um, but then uh, it, I, I haven't. It didn't really appeal to me based on what I saw of it. Hmm. Um, but largely, again, that, that's a little unfair and, unbi- and, and biased. I will admit because largely what I've seen of it has been um, the multiplayer mode. Ah, yeah, that's not representative at all. Exactly, and I know that. But based on what I've seen of it, the mechanics for that seem really, really good. But at the same time, I'm looking at them going, it doesn't seem to gel with me for the idea of Tomb Raider. Um, I would have to take a look at the game to see you know, the single player game um, to get a better, you know, representation of that. Because at the moment, it does sort of seem to be more based around combat and shooting than it does around puzzles, which is not really my kind of thing in terms of Tomb Raider. I like puzzles. Uh, even though I will scream and shout and pull my hair out when I can't figure them out. <laughs> That's partly true. Although there is still um, plenty of puzzle solving yeah. in getting from place to place. Uh, it is a modern shooter in that it is a series of sort of set pieces of combats. Yeah. But the combats are sort of puzzles themselves sometimes. You know, there are ways to use the environment, ways to move around things. See, that I'd like to see. I'd like to see something where the environment is a, a factor in things and can help you out and, and can cut people off. Mm. Uh, not to a huge extent, but there are certainly uh, more where the environment is working against you, providing right. covers against fixed emplacements, and you have to find a way to get at the guy's vulnerability, that sort of thing. Yeah. Which are still puzzles. But, but what Tomb Raider? Stripe. Yeah, but what this Tomb Raider has over the old ones is the storyline and the characters. Yeah, because right away it's an ensemble cast. Have you played this one, Irish? Yes. What did I, you think of it? Just I played it, finished it. I thought it was really good. I mean, I'm unashamedly going to say it's one of my favourite games of the last couple of years. Oh yeah, it's definitely one of my favourite games of the year. And I. I Fell in love with the cast almost across the board. Mm. A couple of guys more than others. Yeah. Uh, Jonah more than anyone else. I fucking love Jonah. Jonah is amazing. So the the basic setup of Tomb Raider as it is now. Uh, There is an uh, expedition and it's uh, not Lara's expedition. This is before Lara had any fame as an archaeologist or a treasure hunter or anything. Yeah. Uh, It is the expedition of a Dr. James Whitman. And he is a celebrity, um, to the point that he's got not a full camera crew coming with him, but his his adventures are being documented. Yeah, uh, because he has he's had a bit of a, a run in financially, so he's a bit desperate. This has to be the one to sort of recover his fame and fortune. Yeah, this is his one big shot. So it's uh, get the documentary guy following me, get the journalist following me. Let's go find something really special. Yeah. Uh, so along with him, because he's the celebrity, he's got an actual survival expert, which is Conrad. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's a Royal Marine, a former Royal Marine, but he's also um, a good friend of the Crofts. He's already been something of a mentor to Lara at this point in her life. Yeah. You know, they know each other really well. Uh, Lara is there because she's a student 
um, whose area of expertise is sort of relevant to where they are, uh, which is um, just off um, Japanese coast um, in an area called the Dragon's Triangle, and they're looking for a sort of a lost island, um, the Yamatai. Okay. And it's something that's fascinated Lara. She's written about it, so she's along for that knowledge. And she's brought Sam, who's her sort of childhood friend, um, but also the documentarian. So it's a bit of nepotism, get your friend the job. And Sam's, it, we kind of see early on as interested in documenting Lara as she is um, the exhibition uh, expedition itself. Yeah. Because she thinks that Lara's going to be the star of the show, the sort of breakout star. Uh, you've also got Reese, um, who is the mechanic, and she's, you know, a very, very no-nonsense kind of a woman. Yeah. We know the type. We do. Um, she's also... Uh, trying to remember who she's she, uh, she's sort of semi-involved with. I think it's Conrad, isn't it? Irish? I think it's Conrad, yeah. Yeah. You've got uh, Angus, uh, who is the, the Glaswegian helmsman of the ship they're on. He's awesome. You oh, always want a Scotsman uh, on board. He's a badass. Yeah. <laughs> he's amazing. I love... I Spoiler warning, I love his death scene. <laughs> When he, he goes out headbutting the overwhelming odds. Yeah. <laughs> Literally headbutting them. Because he's Glaswegian. Uh, Alex, who is their, their, their techie, he's, he's an electronics engineer, so he's there to repair you know, all the tech gear. He goes out in an epic way as well. He does. He goes out in a big explosion. Spoiler warning, most of these characters die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, notice how Tomb Raider is about Lara Croft. So I, I any, mentioned Conrad was a mentor of Lara's. Yeah, he's screwed. Um, any, any character in this... I'm going to assume... I haven't played this, and I don't know the plot of this game, but I'm just going to put this out there as a spoiler warning. Any character that they mention right now who is not Lara Croft is probably... And, and, you know, who doesn't die is probably a villain? Nope. No? No. no. There's a, a handful of survivors um, who aren't villains. Right, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, it's, only, it's only the... The teacher, but one of the, them is a villain, right? Professor type thing. He double crosses, doesn't he? Yes. Yes. So. There is a villain amongst them. Well, not a villain. Um, just, shall we say, a very self-centered person who values his own survival above anything else. And is driven to the edge. Uh, yeah. Yes. Not, not even the edge. He's not a villain at any particular point. He doesn't do anything villainous. Yeah. Uh, he does betray them. Uh, so... Yeah, it, it, but it is very much I want to live. Yeah. It's not I'm going to hurt you, it is I want to live. Yeah. It's that simple. Uh, but the last character we haven't mentioned is Jonah, who is, Jonah is amazing. the cook. Is Jonah the, the big uh, Polynesian guy? Yes. Half Polynesian, half Maori. Wow, okay. Uh, and yeah, he's a big fella, and I, I fucking love him. He's brilliant. He's amazing. Um, because when the ship is stranded on Yamatai, the island, yeah. it, you don't initially know that you found Yamatai, but it becomes obvious fairly quickly. Uh, and Lara begins to sense there are things going on that are, uh, shall we say, not of this earth. Because yeah. this is a Tomb Raider game, it has supernatural elements. Um, all of the others 
uh, Sam sort of is like, I trust you, Lara, we're friends from way back. Everyone else is like, don't be ridiculous. We're scientists or Scotsmen. Um, <laughs> we don't believe in your nonsense. But Jonah just sort of quietly goes, look, I don't understand everything in the world. Hmm. And sort of leaves it at that. But then you find his diaries and you realize he's freaking out more than anyone going, oh my God, oh my God, I'm quite a superstitious guy. This place scares the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> he's amazing. And yeah, he's just totally, totally on your side of, yeah, this place is not right. This place is true evil. So Jonah's great because he's, it's that wonderful little insight to him that makes the fact that he's always the cheerful slap you on the back, pick you up, keep you going character. Yeah. It makes that all the more relevant that you it gives it a gravity. Itself. Yeah. So you've got this pack of um characters thrown together in this survival scenario and Lara's pretty much because she's the heroine, the only one who sort of throws herself eagerly into the danger of it all and gets separated off from them and has to uh do the hard work of trying to get them off the island. Yeah. Because the island won't let them leave. Because the island is an asshole. Yes, legitimately. Um, you very early on are able to summon rescue. And uh, a rescue helicopter is sent and comes down spectacularly. <laughs> of the big set pieces of the game. Helicopter? I thought it was a plane. Uh, well, what a rescue plane, wasn't it? Oh, like a, like a, uh, a seaplane. I thought it was a helicopter. Um, no, because it crashes in the mountain village. Yeah, it is a plane, isn't it? But anyway, it is a, it is a good yeah. set piece. It's a it's an amazing scene. Because it's heading towards a flare you set up. So it's heading towards you. So it crashes where you are. Danger close, danger close. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, this is something that survives from anniversaries. There are quick time events in this game, and this is one of them. It's it, it's just a thing that's, that is games now, I guess. It is. Um, Tomb Raider does them all right, actually. It doesn't do them in in any particularly intrusive and offensive way. It tends to be small stuff. It tends to be jump from ledge to ledge, and if you don't get it perfect, you have to hit a button to catch yourself. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple of big set pieces, one of which is running from the crashing plane, uh, and that's... Quite a heartbeaty kind of a moment. I suppose it would. I mean, yeah. As, as tough as Lara Croft is, I think she would lose a fight against a plane. Well, she's not tough in this game. No? That's the thing. She's uh, an archaeology student. Yeah, she's, she's not trained or anything like that. It's been commented on in reviews by people who know their shit about mountain climbing and such that her technique in all the climbing sections is actually really, really bad um, and amateurish. Huh. And that's very deliberate. They've motion-captured bad technique because she doesn't know what she's doing, and they wanted that to come across. Huh. She is a kid who is forced to these extreme lengths to survive, and it is that sense of how far can you push yourself when you really need to. Um, they're trying to tell the story of how Lara Croft becomes Lara Croft and the extreme conditions that forced her to toughen up. Or else. Yeah, basically. Uh, or else very, very ugly deaths. The death animations in this are gruesome. But you know what? That, again, is a staple of Tomb Raider, I think. Yeah, but this is high-definition modern graphics. 
Hooray! This is my game. Suddenly, like, I need to play this. It's like the few bits, like um, right at the beginning, where you fall through the cave and land on that bit of bone. Oh, yeah. I, I remember you that. You get impaled. Yeah. You get impaled. It's just like, oh, tetanus, 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 tetanus. And then much later on, you have the whole thing where you fall into all the blood. Yeah. And then it's going to come to that. And it's just like, uh, AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. Oh, God. <laughs> this is potentially sounding like my kind of game again. Yeah, there is a scene that I think will be very much up your street. Okay, cool. Because um, once we've established that the island has this supernatural element to it, that it will not let you leave, uh, it's it's sort of um, a Bermuda Triangle. There's a, a sort of graveyard of ships and planes and helicopters. Yeah. Everything crashes here. Nothing leaves. Um, that's what's freaking Jonah out. Um, and Lara believes it's to do with, um, the queen who ruled over Yamatai historically, because yeah. of course she's yeah. the one who studied it. Himiko. Himiko. Yes, the sun queen, who was a shaman, who historically it was believed could control the weather. So the fact that these ridiculous storms come every time something comes to rescue them and downs the aircraft or crashes yeah. their ship or, uh, she believes it's related to Himiko. And at first she thinks it's the phenomenon that led to the superstition behind Himiko because she's a rational person. Yeah. But the longer she spends on the island and the more she meets of the local, they're not really the locals, but the people who have settled after crashing here, yeah. <laughs> um, whose the name of the cult temporarily escapes me. Uh, uh, Solari? Something, something like something along that lines. Uh, anyway, there oh. is this cult led by a, a crazy, crazy cult of personality type cult leader. Cool. Um, and they certainly believe that Himiko is a real figure of the island, and more to the point that her soul can be put into someone's body. Solari, that was it. Um, and that that's what they need is they need to provide the Sun Queen with um, an avatar so that she, to please her so that they will that she will allow them to leave. This is Father Matthias, the, the madman, uh, and so he becomes the main antagonist because whether it's true or not, he believes in the crazy, and he's decided that the best vessel for Himiko is Sam, Lara's best friend, hmm. and they take her. But she is descended, isn't she? Yeah, she is descended from the, from the Yamatai people and supposedly from Himiko herself. So she is the new embodiment of the Sun Queen. And that's what Matthias believes, and he takes her to that extent. So it becomes about rescuing your friend as much as it becomes about escaping the island. And therein, is, of course, is the beginning of the uh, the supernatural elements. Yeah. Because as you get in towards the temples, you start to meet uh, the guards of the temples. They they are natives. They are the Oni. The Onis are fucking terrifying. Yes. The first time you, you encounter them, even before you have to face them, the cutscenes are just real oh shit moments. They are big scary demons. Awesome. In samurai armor. It's not fun. Yep. But what's I the moment I really liked, because this is a game about Lara's turning into the character 
um, that we know her as from previous games, becoming the badass, there is a moment that has uh, become known as the baptism of blood, uh, the, the rebirth uh. of blood. And have you heard of a film called The Descent? Yes. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the cover of Descent 2, the sequel, it's actually really interesting uh, in how much it telegraphs the fact that Rihanna Pratchett, who wrote Tomb Raider, I think was heavily influenced by um, The Descent. Because the cover of... I think it's the cover of The Descent 2. It may even be the cover of The Descent has a woman holding a climbing axe in a dirty sleeveless top. Ah, there it is. Yeah. And and, and a torch. And I think, Irish, you've played uh, the 2013 Tomb Raider. There is a link for you. Tell me who that looks like. Uh, loading... It is loading rather slowly. But yeah, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> it's not even a big picture. Come on. It's not, it's not a big picture at all. Uh, let's try another one. No, no, I totally get where you're coming from with oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey there, Lara. That looks a little bit like the current Lara Croft, don't you yeah. think? Just a tad. Well, is this in the same way that Miss Pratchett was, uh, was um, inspired by... You know, the, the, the image of someone stabbing themselves in the ears repeatedly when she wrote uh, that, that, that fucking heavenly sword game. Bing twang can it be playtime now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let that go. No, I know. But The Descent is interesting in horror movie terms because it is a female-led horror movie. It's about a group of girls who are trapped caving. Um, so it is, it's regarded as a bit of a feminist film because it is women surviving, um, independently of any outside factor. And the original Descent featured a, a rather interesting scene that if you've seen the Descent, if you've seen the scene and played Tomb Raider is another one that makes you sit back and go, ah, that's, that's an homage at best. Huh. Um, this is the sort of iconic image of the Descent and hopefully it'll load a little bit quicker. Which again, Jack, if or Irish, if you've played yeah. Tomb Raider, you might recognise yeah. that moment. Definitely. There is indeed a moment where the, the sort of sole survivor of the descent is forced to swim through a lake of blood. And she That's sort of rises up out of the blood axe in hand. And it's a moment in the film that signals her rebirth from sort of a terrified survivor to someone who fights back. And it's not just the Lake of Blood, which is done note for note in Tomb Raider. It's the same character shift. It's that moment Lara turns from someone fighting for her own survival to fighting for revenge. She becomes the thing in the dark. Exactly. The blood-soaked thing in the dark in this instance. Mm. And it's a really interesting moment of rebirth, of a, a corner turned for the character. Um, and the game from that point changes completely from this survival game to, you know, you're taking the fight to Matthias and to the forces of nature and possibly the supernatural. And it is, it's sort of the beginning of the birth of Lara Croft as the character you know her to be by the end of the game. Yeah. Huh. 
<laughs> trying to work out how spoilery I want to be about the ending. <laughs> should, we, should we pray? Considering that game has been released this year, yeah. Should we leave spoil- ending spoilers for now? Yes. Partly because I want you to play it. Yeah, I will do. I definitely will do at some point. But well, I, just, I still, like, I still have we, Alex's copy for the yeah. Xbox. So well, basically, because we do so many classic games and we do so many old games, we do talk about a lot of spoilers. But I think we need to sort of introduce a rule where if there is a point in the franchise which is out, you know, this year. We'll keep it a fairly spoiler-free zone. I know we talked about, you know, who died and who didn't, but anything like we, we could at least sort of leave the ending and whatnot, just in case yeah. people think haven't played. It's not to do with who dies, who doesn't. It is purely to do with the the last couple of scenes in this game are some of my favourite written scenes in a video game ever. Hmm. Uh, the and and I might explain why to you off air, Irish, and see if you agree with me. Um, but the the actual the ending itself, the climactic moments, and then the denouement. There is there is a beat after the ending, you know, to bring you back down again, and it plays out in such a classical way. It's like, it's someone who has observed the genre, um, and it's written so perfectly to tribute that genre, but not with the characters who are actually involved. And that twist on it, without being explicit in what it's saying, leaving everything between the lines, is so beautifully well-written in terms of intelligent and mature handling of things that are traditionally a little bit up in the air in video games, not wanting to deal with them. That uh, It left me really really impressed and sitting back and wanting to watch the ending again and go hang on did, did that just happen um and yeah the ending is beautiful yeah so hopefully tomb raider has a hell of a future coming now we can we can only hope i mean it, it's a it's a franchise that deserves to, a long and happy life yep one of the most iconic characters in video games yeah i think we've already sort of yeah highlighted that she is the most successful lady video game protagonist and I want to see her fight dinosaurs again. Is there no dinosaur fighting in this one? No dinosaurs in this one. Okay. No, this, no. this is only about the, the Japanese ghosty demon things. Fair enough. Uh, that is the supernatural element. And the island itself, of course. Yeah. I do um, love the fact of you, know, you go into a, like a thousand-year-old tomb and you break over like a, bo- <laughs> a box that happens to be there and you find gun parts. <laughs> yes. Like, well, the Solari have been kicking around this island for a good long time now. It's true, but it's like it kind of seems like you know these these caves are undiscovered, and there is that when she says no one can have been here for a thousand years, and then you find parts for a modern composite hunting bow. Yeah, <laughs> ah, interesting. They were very forward thinking these uh, Yamatai people. <laughs> but yes, there there are tombs. There are outright puzzle rooms in this. Yeah. The difference is they're not part of the plot. No. They are the, the sort of they are the secrets to discover. If you go off the beaten track, you can find the tombs. I say find. They're supposed to be hidden tombs, but they're really easy to find. They're harder to solve, but they're really easy to find. But they are um side stories, they're side quests. Right. They're not part of the plot. You can go through the whole game without raiding a single tomb apart from the very last one. But they are in in the sort of classic sense of Tomb Raider, they are very good puzzles. They are uh, environment based. Uh, you know, you have to 
lift a cage uh, to tip over a thing that will knock a flaming barrel into fast flowing water, shoot it before it reaches the end of the river, so it will blow open a um, door, and you know the, the kind of tomb raidering puzzling you'd expect. Yeah, uh, and they are worth doing because they help you out a lot with leveling your character and getting gear and stuff. But you can leave them to the end because the nice thing is, once you've finished the game, you've cleared out the island, and you can just roam around it freely and go back and revisit all your tombs and find all your secrets and collectibles. Yeah. Excellent. Do some delving. And just have a look at the scenery. It's really, really pretty. Have a look around. Take, take an exploration date. I will be honest, when I played it, I was at first a little disappointed how linear it was. Yeah. Yeah, because you're saying that. Because I was expecting more of a Far Cry 3 kind of an open world to the island. Um... Because I'd heard some of the developers say, you know, as you level, you'll gain abilities, which will allow you to reach new places. Mm. And that is true. Uh, there are sort of rooms you can't get into in the early levels, but if you go back to them afterwards, you then can, because you've got the yeah. new gear and equipment. But I thought he was talking about how they'd sort of segmented off the world so that, to for plot purposes, you couldn't reach certain parts until later, but the parts you could reach would be completely open to you. And that's the direction I'd like to see them going in the future. But after about a third of the way through in the game, I was like, no, this is really linear, but they're telling a story and it's a really good story and I'm totally invested. Fair enough. I do as well realise we haven't mentioned the other Tomb Raider games. Which ones? Tomb Raider from 2000 on the Game Boy Color. Ah, yes, the, the other platforms, the N-Gage, the Game Boy, the... Tomb Raider Curse of the Sword. I don't know that one. That was the, the other Game Boy Color one, 2001. Ah. Tomb Raider Prophecy, which is the Angel of Darkness era one for the Game Boy Advance. Yep, I did play that one. That one's And one I remembered, but right up until uh, we recorded this episode, and then it just completely dropped out of my head. Not a Tomb Raider game. Ah, uh, is this the Lara Croft Lara Croft games? and the Guardian of Light. Uh, it wasn't the only one, actually. There were two Lara Croft games. Were there? I believe. Um, or were there? I, no, it was just the Guardian of Light, wasn't it? Uh, uh, so yeah, it well, was a planned sequel. Okay, and it's it's quite young still. I mean, it came out what two thousand ten. Yeah. So you know, we could still see a sequel to the Lara Croft series. And it was a Crystal Dynamics game. Ah, okay. So it is it is part of the uh, the sort of their canon. Yeah, but um, it's it's aside from everything else by the looks of things. Yes, it's a very different kind of game. It's more an isometric um, puzzle game. Yeah. So that it's might just be... all the puzzling, none yeah. of the, the fighting. Well, there's a bit of fighting. But... Yeah, that might be more my speed, I think. I might try out Lara Croft, The Guardians of Light. It's a good game. Um, yeah. It's, it's very different to the rest of the Tomb Raider games, but it is more of Lara's legacy. And it's on right. Steam. Oh, it's on Steam. Along with a whole bunch of Tomb Raider games. Yeah, I did notice that. Like A whole bunch of them came out in 2010, like ones that hadn't been seen since you know, the 90s. How many Tomb Raider games do I have on Steam? Only the one, actually, I think but I believe quite a few of them are available. Let me just check that I'm not telling lies. You could be telling awful, awful lies. I could indeed, but Legend, Anniversary, Angel of Darkness, Chronicles, Last Revelation, 3, 2, 1, Underworld, uh, they're all here. Cool. And a whole load of DLC for the modern game, none of which you need. It's all aesthetic. But it could be nice if you wanted it. Uh, it's mostly skins. Ah, okay. So, no, I want, I want my Tomb Raider to look like my Tomb Raider. Yeah. Yeah, she looks like Lara. That's the point. <laughs> Although, speaking of um, dirt uh, being a, a thing in um, Underworld. 
Yeah. It's a thing in 2013 as well. If you do any of the crawling sections where you have to sort of shimmy between two close walls <laughs> or under anything, it actually makes you dirty. And dirty. then and, and fights will cover you in blood, but swimming will clean you again. Hooray! So it is actually quite interesting that it, it sort of keeps track of what state Lara is in. And then, of course, when you go swimming in blood... Well, bad, 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 bad. But it does... Yeah, you know, shortly afterwards you do get to clean yourself off, don't you? So yes, you don't get you know you don't stay covered in blood for long. No, not for long, but long enough. <laughs> you know what? Any amount of time is probably long enough. Yes, when you are completely immersed in blood. <laughs> That's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood. But yes, onto the sequel. A survivor is born which is the name of the theme of the game, um, musically. Oh, yeah, the music in the new one's really good, by the way. Yeah? Mm. I've got the soundtrack. Very, very good. I almost didn't notice when I was playing the game, because it was part of the game and it fit really nicely. Yeah. But I, I happened to revisit it, uh, in, actually, in order to see if I should use it as a special opening for this show. Ah, I see. And I ended up listening to the whole soundtrack and going, this is really good music, actually. And did you? Use it for the opening of this show. Yeah. We'll see, won't we? Well, no, because the people listening to this will already know. Yes, but we will see. I don't know yet. I don't know (laughs) if I have, because it hasn't happened yet. Oh, but you'll know if you will do. Will I? Yes. I don't know, will you? I don't know. But you do know if you will know. (laughs) Ah, Time travel. Time travel's a thing we need to do. I'd love to do time travel. Yeah, let's do some time travel. All right. Let's travel forward at a constant rate. <laughs> All right, then. That so, Tomb Raider. I think we're running out of things to say about Tomb Raider. Really? What, what more have you got to say? I don't know. What more have you got to say? Other than if you haven't... It's quite unlikely that anyone listening to this has not played a Tomb Raider game. But we say that about pretty much everything. So, uh, let's... Just throw it out there and say, if you've not played a Tomb Raider game... Play a Tomb Raider game. Yeah, play a Tomb Raider game. Like, right now. Not Angel of Darkness, though. Don't play Angel of Darkness. Well, no, don't. No. No, don't. Just, just don't. No. Okay. Don't play Angel of Darkness. Gun to your head, if you're asked to choose between playing the video game tie-in of the Halle Berry Catwoman film... Uh, oh. Or Tomb Raider Angel of Darkness... Uh, I'd say make it quick and painless. Well, I say I put those two side by side because they're very similar games. <laughs> Both in how badly they handle the poor level design and general unpleasantness to play. Fair enough. If you're forced gun to your head to make that choice, I'd go with Angel of Darkness. I would go with fight against your your um, your captors because best case scenario you escape. Worst case scenario you get shot and don't have to play those games. See, I, I do consider either of those games marginally preferable to being shot. Okay, fair enough. You're it depends lot, where, but yeah, I'd say go to the those, head. You're, you're one of those really nice guy uh, game reviewers then. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, maybe I, I, if it was a shot in the thigh, maybe I'll take the gunshot. Ooh, ooh that sounds really painful, actually. It's better than a shot to the head. I don't know, you wouldn't really feel that for long. Yeah, but I, I want to live. It's this wacky thing I've got. Living's overrated. Man, it's just all just like, it's a big, dark mess, man. 
Welcome to Suicide Prevention Month um, with World 1 Stage 1. Oh, shit, yeah. My bad. <laughs> we're doing that thing that DC did. Oh, no, no, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're no, not. We're, we're not sexualizing the suicide, I suppose. Yet. Okay, so if someone puts a gun to your head whilst you're in a bathtub... With a, with a toaster and a shark or an alligator. Yes. Yes, exactly, right? What? Yeah, that's what I thought. Then you play Angel of Darkness. Okay, understood. <laughs> that is the only thing. Play Tomb Raider. Hmm? But in the meantime, just play Tomb Raider. Yes, pretty much any of the other Tomb Raiders. Yeah. In, if I could suggest, I would say either play Tomb Raider or Tomb Raider. Yeah. This is the problem with rebooting a franchise and giving it the same name. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider yep. are probably the two best games of the Tomb Raider franchise. Which one do you prefer? Tomb Raider. Oh, okay, cool. The weird thing is I still know which one you mean. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Because it feels closer to the... Even though Toby Gard had nothing to do with it, it kind of feels closer to his original idea for the game. Yeah. And more of a, a character who was more about um, intellect and determination than just badassery. Okay. Also, Square Enix-style cutscenes. Can't argue with that. No, that's true. They, they, they know what they do and they do what they know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Could be, well, it could be Konami cutscenes. Yeah. Basically the same, but you just get them every... It's basically the same, but there's ten times as much of them. <laughs> um, I was also going to throw in as well, before we before we say goodnight, uh, we had a piece of listener mail, or a listener ask in the World 1 Stage 1 Tumblr. Did we? Yes, we did. From, from Lazarus. Then ask. We have our weekly Lazarus mail. <laughs> it says, How are you, gentlemen? I may or may not be drawing a platypus. You <laughs> monster. <laughs> I hope you are drawing a platypus. I hope you have drawn a platypus. Utter monster. Also, if you could have any power from a video game, what would you have? Weapon-based powers are fine too. And this is where my bone of contention comes in. Except grappling hooks. <laughs> challenging somehow. But my own choice would be something that you could just have. A grappling hook is real. Not like a hookshot grappling hook. Anyway, uh, my own choice would be something like the Eagle Eye from Assassin's Creed. I like the idea of being able to tell the intentions of anyone around me in an easy, easy color-coded uh, synesthetic display. It's kind of like reading minds, except you wouldn't go crazy from the constant head voices. Good night from me, Lazarus Desaad. IDDQD. I, I think you did as well. No, IDDQD. Uh, yes. Yes, you did. It's the God Mode cheat from Doom. Oh, I see. God Mode. Really count, right? Yeah, I... All right, then I would like to one-up you there. I would like my ability to be to enter cheat codes <laughs> into life. <laughs> All right, you have one-upped me, sir. You have wished for more wishes. Yep, pretty much. Fuck you, genie. <laughs> but if we're going to rule out cheat codes, and I feel that we are... Hmm, can I just say being Superman from any of the Superman games? Uh, what about Superman 64, where you have the power to very slowly collide with a wall and fall into a river? <laughs> okay, not that one. Melt man, the power to melt. I think I'm assuming Irish. You would have the the superpower of uh, Matrix jumping from uh, Matrix Online, or any kind of any kind of jumping game. Saints Row Four, for example. Yeah, Incredible Hulk. See, I would be really worried. What if you got the superpower to jump really, really high, but not the superpower to survive the fall? Yeah. Do you mean the scrolls of Ikarian flight? 
Yes, they mean exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always... Splat. Whenever I do one of these things, it's like, bigger superpower. Like, yeah, super jumping. And the ability to land as well. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would go with and be able to enter cheat codes. And if you weren't allowed to cheat? No, no, no. I, I'd be allowed to cheat. And if I wasn't allowed to cheat, I'd just enter the cheat that would allow me to be able to enter cheats. Shut up, it makes sense. Uh, Shut up or I will totally DK mode you. <laughs> God damn it. Because you know what? I wouldn't be using it for God mode or infinite ammo or any of this sort of stuff. I would just be making everyone go into big head mode. <laughs> if we're not counting cheats, I would go for Aiden's hacking ability from Watch Dogs, even though that's uh, not out yet. Technology as, as superpowers. Yes. Ooh, that'd be... But yeah, the ability to enter cheat codes, that's what I think. <laughs> Or into the console. <laughs> console commands. Yeah, console commands. I, I will allow that because I know you. You'll just fuck up your game irrevocably and your game is for life. <laughs> I will corrupt. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to live on my planet. Live on my corrupted data earth. Where I just end up teleporting to wherever my fucking cursor is. <laughs> Hashtag hands. Cl- open bracket. Close bracket. Pointer. For all the Oscar Dale fans out there. Oh. Control or delete spawn item hamburger. <laughs> Skyrim spawn all the cheeses <laughs> from the top of the mountain. <laughs> and you stand looking down at Skyrim as cheese flies all around, and you say quietly, "My ancestors are smiling upon me." Can you say the same? Or have you seen the video of the guy who collected every weapon he could find in the game, threw them all into his house, and then push for a dad, and then push for a dad? Oh my! Killed the physics engine. <laughs> yeah, you can hear his computer screaming. <laughs> it's amazing. The frame rate just drops and drops and drops. That is beautiful. It's it's how we torture computers. So, uh, the, fact, the fact that we've gone on to cheese rolling again. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> would say that I think we're done, fellas. I think you might be right. So, uh, which means it's time for me to go and have a cup of tea and a curry. That what? sounds really nice. Yeah. I've already eaten, unfortunately. Yeah, oh, me too. Have another curry. I didn't have a curry to start with, so I could not, in fact, have another one. Uh, Although I have eaten curry before in my life, so in yes, that sense, exactly. depending on the, the sort of broadness of your context, I could have <laughs> another curry, just, I suppose. Just have some more curry. It's all right, Simon. Just have some more curry. There we go. Ah. I had curry the other day, so it's actually not even that broader context. Yeah. But anyway, I'll have a couple of this goddamn pedantry about curry. (laughs) (laughs) Would you care for a little more curry? At some point, yes. Okay, good. But not tonight. Okay, fair enough. (sighs) I may have a cup of tea, though. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Because we're all British here. Well, I am. I am. My my co-hosts are a Viking and an Irishman, respectively. So. Viking. (laughs) Whatever you say, Lars. I'm going to hurt you. Oh, just like a Viking would. No, I'm going to hurt you emotionally. (laughs) Oh, like one of them emotional Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) Cry King. The Cry King. Yeah. The King of Crying. No, the King of Making People Cry. We shall see. Yeah, they travel around in their long coats, ruining people's days by making catty comments about their shoes. (laughs) 
fuck is wrong? I need a cup of tea. I'm really Will sorry. Someone please stop this. Stop the madness. I was going to, but it suddenly got in really interesting directions. <laughs> Why shoes, Jack? I don't know. Is there something about your shoes you're not proud of? That I don't have any. All I have is a pair of like steel toe cap boots. I wear them everywhere. Out to the park, out to a meal, out to an interview, steel toe cap boots. <laughs> I don't see what's wrong with that. No, I don't either. It worked. And on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> he was asleep again. Oh, oh fuck you. <laughs> This has been World One Stage One. I have been Simon. I have been Jack. And I have been Irish. Goodbye. Ta-da! Bye. No. No? No. 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 Tomb Raider. <laughs>